everyone, it's Leslie Keith here again with another research update flash briefing. I'm the Director of Research and President of the Board for the Lipedema Project. I'd like to keep you abreast of the latest research of relevance to lipedema with these flash briefings. Today I'd like to tell you about a paper, a study, that was completed by some researchers in Poland, just published in January of 2023. And the title of the paper is The Usefulness of the Application of Compression Therapy Among Lipedema Patients, Pilot Study. So as it said, this is a pilot study, so it's a a pretty small group, but it was more proof of concept than to generate conclusions. So it's a starting point. I think it's an excellent starting point. This study compared two methods of lipedema treatment, namely exercises combined with compression therapy and exercise alone. They also wanted to check how appropriate were certain tools for measuring lipedema symptoms, how appropriate were these for for the research. And the authors wanted you to know that they believe that compression therapy won't reduce the volume of fat tissue, but they do believe that Evidence has shown that it is useful in alleviating many other symptoms associated with lipedema. And they also state that there haven't been any studies that really have tested compression therapy separately from manual lymph drainage. So this study does not have an arm that is receiving manual lymph drainage. So let's look at their methods. They recruited participants from social media outlets for women and from a physiotherapy clinic in Poland. And in order to be included in this study, participants had to be female and had to have characteristic symptoms of lipedema. And so they ultimately had six participants that were randomly assigned to two groups. They had group A, which was exercise only, three women in this group, and group B, which was exercise combined with compression therapy, and there were three women in this group. And the study lasted for six weeks. For the first four weeks, all participants were in an exercise program three times a week, and one of those times was supervised by a physiotherapist. The other two times, exercises were completed at home. The participants in group B that were getting the combined treatment were advised to wear compression leggings at least 12 hours a day, especially when they were active. In the final two weeks of the study, participants in both groups were unsupervised, but asked to continue with their same exercise and or wearing compression garments. Patients were asked not to change their diet or go to any other physical therapy for the duration of the study. And just so you also know what was the stockings that they used. So that was compression therapy was in the form of compression stockings. And this was flat knit compression class two leggings, meaning it goes from the waist to the ankles. So what did they measure? So they assessed the participants at baseline at four weeks and then at six weeks. So on intake, all participants answered questions regarding their diet, their lifestyle, their level of physical activity, what their symptoms were. And then they also had circumferential measurements done. So they did them on their waist, hips, thighs, knees, calves, and their feet. And then they did their weight, 
They did a waist to hip ratio. They did a BMI. They did a subjective symptom severity questionnaire. And then they did a quality of life assessment, the SF36, very commonly done in other lipedema studies. And this looks at eight different domains. It did the physical functioning, the role limitations due to physical health, role limitations due to emotional problems, energy and fatigue, emotional well-being, social functioning, pain, and general health. Then this study also did, interestingly, ultrasound. They were looking at the skin and adipose tissue thickness, and they're measuring that as well. Very interesting. So the participants, actually none of the participants in this study had previously been diagnosed with lipedema, but they all were experiencing characteristic symptoms such as disproportionate fat in the lower body, pain, fatigue, easy bruising, etc. And so the investigators of this study did believe that this was reasonable to say that they had lipedema. So just to give you an idea of the characteristics of each of the groups, three women in each group, the age, there actually was quite a difference. And this is not unusual when you have such a small number in each group. So group A, the exercise only group, the age was 48 compared to the combined treatment group in group B, 31. So 31 versus 48, that's quite a difference there, could affect the results. Again, the weight, quite a difference in weight between the two groups, the exercise only 104 kilograms or 229 pounds, the combined treatment group 77 kilograms or 170 pounds. And then as far as their symptoms, again, they had to have a cluster of symptoms to say that they had lipedema. And so those are pretty similar. But I thought one was interesting that, you know, although the majority said they had pain, the exercise only group actually had a higher degree of pain. They rated almost six out of 10 versus the combined treatment group started out at baseline at only about three out of 10. So there were that another area of difference between the groups. And then as far as lipedema stages and their diet history, pretty much the same between groups. Although the participants in the combined treatment group actually had a history of a higher level of participation and exercise. So some, some differences in those groups, which could affect the results. But again, this is a pilot study, more of a proof of concept. Let's look at the results. So There was no significant changes in either group for weight, BMI, or waist to hip ratio. In as far as circumferential measurements, each group for that also remained fairly steady, not much change and nothing significant, certainly. But there were some trends. And so I'd like to talk to you about what the groups were trending to. And one thing that was interesting was the effect of where they were in a menstrual cycle. So one participant was menstruating on when they did the measurements for week four and then had a slight increase of the knee and calf measures, as well as a small weight increase. And then these all went back down to baseline levels at week six. So it just shows us how important it is to document if they are still menstruating, and if they are, where in the cycle are they? 
when the measurements are taken because it could affect the results. And then in the area of disproportionate fat and looking at changes that were happening in that area, again, nothing significant changed, but there was a tendency in the exercise and compression group, the combined group for the waist to hip ratio to decrease and the exercise only group for their waist hip ratio to increase. And so the study authors, they say that this might suggest that a combined treatment may lead to less of a disproportion because that waist to hip ratio was decreasing in the group that had the combined treatment. Again, just a trend, nothing significant, something to look further into. And then we look at weight and body measurements. There was a tendency for all participants to go up a little in weight. And we're talking about like an average of maybe a kilogram and go down in body measurements. So that is very interesting to go up in weight, but down in body measurements, nothing significant, but a trend. And the other thing that was interesting was as far as symptom severity, there were significant differences actually between groups for improvements in some symptoms, namely impact on daily function, bruising and pain at palpation. So the group that received the combined treatment outperformed the group that was doing exercise only. And then there was also a trend in there that the swelling around the ankles and the heaviness in the legs, the group that was using the combined exercise and compression had a trend towards greater reduction in swelling and heaviness than the exercise only group. And for quality of life, both groups had statistically significant improvements in energy and fatigue. Really important. All other measures were not significant, but again, there was a trend. And the trend was an increase in quality of life. Both groups had an increase in quality of life at week four, but a slight decrease at week six, which that was really interesting because remember at week four is when they stopped being supervised by the physiotherapist. But even though it's a slight decrease at week six, it still was overall an improvement in quality of life in both groups. Skin thickness, there really was not a change during this intervention, before, during, or after. So what did the authors conclude? Compression therapy combined with exercise can be beneficial in improving the quality of life and reducing symptoms experienced by lipedema patients. And there seems to be a greater effect than just exercise alone. And supervision, as we saw, may be important as when supervision was withdrawn in this study, improvements were lessened in both groups. And there was a significant improvement in physical functioning on the SF36 among all participants, regardless of which intervention they were in, but a greater effect was seen in the combined treatment group. Assessing quality of life and severity of lipedema symptoms are feasible tools to evaluate the effectiveness of a treatment intervention and circumference in lower extremities tends to increase without compression while using compression garments helps maintain and reduce the circumference. There is some discussion that sometimes a good outcome of a treatment is that you slow the progression or even halt the progression of the disease. It doesn't mean that we always have to see a reduction 
a reversal of symptoms. Just to slow the progress or to halt the progress is a good outcome often in lipedema. And then ultrasound should be considered as a tool to evaluate treatment effectiveness in future studies. Of course, there were limitations in this study. They really say that, you know, that the larger scale study is definitely needed to eliminate possible errors due to individual differences. When you have such a small group, it's really hard to tease out what's going on and we really need larger numbers. And then unfortunately, although participants were asked not to change their diet during the study, some still did, and this could have had an impact on the results. And they further highlight that it's really important to mark the phase of the menstrual cycle that should always be noted in future research as it could really impact this circumference and weight measurements, if not other things as well. I really feel like this is an important study, an important paper for individuals with lipedema, because while not definitive due to the limitations, it shows a trend towards combining exercise and compression therapy. And we know from what we've been doing at Lipedema Simplified that that holistic approach, that combination of interventions really has the best outcomes. And then we've also discovered some valuable information about methodology and how to conduct future research from this study. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. You can now also follow Living Well with Lipedema on Amazon Music and get new episodes and they become available. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us again next time for another research update flash briefing.